pastor that I was going to read the text. And so last night and this morning, I practiced the text. And Cindy, there is so many names and lintage in that passage of scriptures. Does anybody recall it? I told pastor, I'm not reading this. I sit out there and laugh at him when he does that. Because <laughs> I'm like, go for it. Be, be Shuba, Bubba, uh, you know, all that stuff. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to tell you the story. I'm going to tell you the biblical account. But write this down if you want to, because it's going to come from Second Samuel verses 21. And I'm going to say, as I said before, it's going to feel like I'm saying heavy things, and it's things you haven't heard before. But I would love for you to hear my heart and decide that you will fight for your family. Can you say fight for your family? And you know, I hate when televangelists do that, but the Holy Ghost told me to do that today. Um, so anyway, um, in Second Samuel, we're going to meet Rizpah. She's the mother who's grieving over the ultimate deaths of her sons. God has turned her most tragic moments into one of Scripture's most greatest triumphs. Can anybody say amen to that? Because Second Samuel verse, uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 14 Please promise me you'll read it. Don't read it on Mother's Day because it's not the feel-good story of the century. It's really not. You know who I heard preach this the first time with such passion? Was Kay Webb. Anybody remember Kay Webb? She's gone to be with the Lord. I bet you heaven is one big party now. Because I'll tell you what, when she preached that, she preached it with fire. And she preached it with vigor. And she decided that her God could take a tragedy and turn it into a triumph in her own life. Is anybody else's life like that? Mine is, and I was a church kid. I was a mess going to church. I went on to church as a mess. But in 2 Samuel 21, 1 through 14, there was a three-year famine that caused David to go and inquire of the Lord and wonder what the cause was. And then the problem, according to the Lord, is due to King Saul, who, who was dead at that time. And his house, who had put the Gibeonites to death, is what Scripture says. And so King David, um, what would you say he became? Kind of zealous in what he was doing. And he went and approached the king of the Gibeonites, and he asked him, what can we do to bless your heritage? He wanted the famine to end. Does anybody know what I mean? He wanted the famine to end, and he got desperate, and he just asked this king. And this king, I really think, was a jerk. Does anybody else think that he might have been? I don't know. I mean, what do you think, pastor? Yeah. So, but anyway... Um, he decides, uh, Rispa now enters our story. Rispa, she's the widow of uh, a uh, dethroned dead king. Um, she's a concubine. because That's how she's the widow. She's one of the concubines. She was even abused. She's abused by family, you guys. Um, she was vulnerable in her situation. She was the lowest of low when it comes to looking at anyone who came from the king's family. Have you ever felt like you were the lowest one in your family? Have you ever felt that way that I, I had this dream and thought of the, of the prince that I would marry and I would be all these awesome things and well now I'm, I'm a concubine in the concubine. I'm probably saying that wrong. But... Um, it, it just came down to where she, she was so vulnerable in her position. She had no 
say in the matter. Has anyone ever felt in the situation, whether it be a bad marriage or a bad job or a bad relationship, it was spiraling out of control and you had no say in the matter until Jesus. But God, right? Oh, somebody say, but God. Oh, her sons along with Saul's grandsons. This blows me away were ritualistically executed and hung in shame. That's the saddest thing I can think about. Ritualistically executed and hung in shame. Their bodies had been hung and exposed in humiliation to serve is what to me sounds like the most ridiculous form of reconciliation with another nation. I don't understand all the Bible stuff. There's stuff that happens in the Bible that I promise you if you come after church and ask me why did that happen, I'm going to say, Pastor Ron said he wanted to answer every question you had today. But now, here's what I want to tell you, and here's what's so important to me. Now, this is what I want us to learn today. Rizva could not stop because she had no say in the matter. What the king had done to her sons, she, the Gibeonites had killed them. She had no say in the matter. She could do nothing, but Rizva decides to do for her sons in death what she could not do in their life. She decided to become their protector. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. She decided, I cannot. I did not do anything that nothing went the way I thought it would. And here's my sons hanging in humiliation because they were ritualistically murdered, hoping that this, uh, the, uh, is it, uh, Gibeonites would be happy with it. But the Bible tells that she actually decided that she was going to dress herself mourning. But then she got herself all set up and laid out and got a big stick. I don't know if anyone beats off dogs. Now, Teresa Baker does. You guys know that, don't you? I've been to the park with her, and there was like a pack of dogs. I said, come on, let's get in the car. She said, I ain't getting in the car because we were going to walk. She got her a great big stick. She decided to be my defender that day. But, the, uh, but now she was going to do this. But Rispa and her sons were put to death like that. Some translations say that this woman got that stick and set up her situation where she was out there five months. And those bodies were rotting and decaying. Now, you know they were. And she wouldn't let up. Any kind of animal that came around, she beat them off. Any kind of bird, she beat them off. Anybody that told her... Why don't you go home? Have you been treated that way before? Why don't you stop that business? Why don't you quit it? Why don't you get out of here? She would not let up. The only thing that let, finally let her up was this. She refused to give up until the king gave her sons a proper burial. And the Bible account says that this is our call to alarm as parents. Anybody know what I'm saying? Fight for your family. Repeat after me. Fight for your family. Does anybody feel in the world that we live in that the fight is on? Does anybody sense the press of darkness? But remember what we have been taught and what I say all the time. Darkness can never be, light can never be overcome by darkness. Light, a little teeny light in a dark room. I don't care if you take a little one penny match and light it up. You have light. Light. 
You all, there are many of us in this room, and we are the defenders. We are the light for our children. We're the light for our families. We're the light for people that work with us. We're the light for people at our church. I want you to know that we can decide, just like Rispa, who would not lay down that stick, go home. I mean, she had people probably delivering her food and all kinds of stuff, said, my goodness, this is getting ridiculous. And she said, I know what I'm here for, and I'm not going till I get it. Doesn't that sound like some little girl you raised in your house? I had one like that. I know what I want, and I'm going to work till I get it. But anyway, I want to let you know that she's the defender. She was the defender for her sons. We must be our children's defenders. We must be our children's defenders. I don't mean if they do stuff wrong. I mean to tell you that the best thing that I can say, if your children do something wrong, I know what you need to do with that stick. (laughs) I know what you need to do with that stick. And, you know, that sounds, Micah used to say this. He used to say, my mom has done things that they should put her in jail over, but I want you to know she never come got me out of a jail. And I just, I, listen, it sounds like old-timey parenting, but I truly believe one of the greatest things that we can do is decide that there is a standard, there are morals, and I'm going to live by them so that you live by them. And if you sense and see that the enemy, that evilness is trying to overtake your children, you decide, I will fight off the enemy. I know people who said their children had been on drugs before, and their children absolutely were laying in a bed of their own vomit and their own sweat and they they decided in the middle of the night after the umpteenth time of doing it they went and got them and took them home again I will say that it is a hard battle drugs and alcohol are one of the most horrible things to get in somebody's life but let the word of the Lord penetrate your heart and that's adult children let the word of the Lord penetrate your heart and say I will not let go of the horns of the altar until I see this child get free amen uh, where's Tanya Tanya wave your hand up there to everybody in case they don't. oh wave it higher yeah. I went and heard her share her testimony a couple weeks ago and you did did a great job can we give the lord a good hand because he's a deliverer isn't he Susie? he's a deliverer her life's the same way and the, i don't know about you but how many of you all had praying parents how many of you all had praying parents man talk about you do not want to yeah you don't want to make the holy ghost upset but you didn't want to make them upset you know, and you know they were your defender because what tanya said in her message that night is she said i gave up on me I quit on me over and over again. But she said, but I had praying parents. I, and I would run, we'd run into her dad all over town. And her dad, which Joe, Joe, Joe just went on to be with the Lord. He's having a party with Kay. Um, uh, he would tell us, pray for Tanya. And here's what he'd say. I believe she's coming in. Oh, my word. He decided that he would talk about his drug-addicted child like that. And that's what makes you a defender. Can we celebrate the Lord in this room? Oh, he saves, delivers, and heals, but he needs some moms. He needs some moms to get the message out. Because I want to tell you what takes you over. Uh, Rispa, to me, reminds me of another account, which is not the same story, but the same title. Because 
I didn't have an average mom, and I'm not an average mom, and I could say some names in this room, and I won't say your name, but some moms are what I like to call crazy mamas. Nobody, anybody else got a, don't put your hand up if she's with you today. Well, go ahead. Anybody got a crazy mama? Anybody? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Who is a crazy mama? Yeah, there. Let them tell on themselves. And Lee, watch out. She's right there. She'll turn around and whack you one. <laughs> but there is a title that some people wear. And there's sometimes a title that I have like that. Because Ron's mother, uh, she's in heaven too. The party's getting bigger, isn't it? Ron's mother, Bernice Henderson, she was a crazy mama. She was not going to let you do her kids bad. Matter of fact, the woman was armed and dangerous. She was packing. <laughs> but she carried, or not carried, she had a window that wouldn't stay up. Anybody grow up that way? Now even, you know, people that got it rough don't got it rough as I had it rough, you know. But, you know, we were always propping things in the window to hold the windows open and the weights were broken. Oh, y'all so uppity in here. Y'all, nobody does this? <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, but Ron's mother propped a window in her bedroom up with a hatchet handle. And she propped a window up. Now, there wasn't a hatchet on it, right? There wasn't a hatchet on it, but she propped her window up with a hatchet handle. And then, you know, there was six of them. And so, was there six at that time or five? And here's what Ron's mother would do. They lived in a rough neighborhood. I told you all that Pastor was raised in the projects. He didn't know what drywall was. He only knew what the block, the cinder blocks looked like. And it was rough. But you had good people in there too because there's good people and bad people everywhere. Can somebody scream? There's good people and bad people everywhere until Jesus comes back. Well, if she heard anything, this woman was four foot ten, but she lied about that. She was not that tall. So she was four foot ten, and if she heard anything, do you know what she did? She jumped up, which is, the, I'm acting just like her, aren't I? That's how she'd do. She'd get mad and go, and, I'm, and all these tall boys would go, okay, she's taking that ninja warrior stance, you know. <laughs> She was funny. She can make these grown boys stand and tremble at her. Well, I was thinking about changing jobs. And she's like, you better be praying about that. So, but anyway, and then she would reach and she'd grab that hatchet handle. And I promise you, she would remind you of a policeman or a fireman that doesn't run away from danger. If her children were in danger, she ran toward it. Amen, somebody? And that's what Bernice Henderson would do, Ron, wouldn't she? She would run toward it and she would be the defender of her children well it reminded me in scripture about a Shunammite woman does anybody remember that story remember that Bible account if you uh, I think I'm going long so I'll just tell the story uh, please forgive me for uh, uh, not not sharing enough scripture for reading but we'll make sure we do at the end but uh, there's a few passages I must say though the story of the Shunammite woman She's a crazy mama. Now you think about this. She really is a crazy mama because she was barren. But she talked to her husband, which women, do you have to talk your husband into stuff? Oh, yeah. 
Ron bragged. So he says, if it wasn't for Leah, we wouldn't have a car or house. Nothing, you know, she, she moved us forward, just encouraging him. You know what I mean? But um, she talked her husband into getting a room ready for the prophet. So that scripture right there is from 2 Kings chapter 4. But she talked her husband into getting a room ready for the prophet. And then when they did that, the prophet felt so blessed that he told his servant, you know, what can we do for her? Find out what we can do. Well, she's barren, he says. And he goes, and, uh, the prophet goes and um, prophesies to her. And he says, the Lord says that you will have a child. And then... She said, do not joke with me. Don't kid around with me. If you say I'm going to have a baby, I better have a baby because I don't want to be played with. Say amen, somebody. I don't want to be played with. And that's exactly what she does. And guess what happened to her? Because if the Lord said it, it'll come to pass. Amen. If there's a prophecy that the Lord has spoken into your life, into your children's life, into your family life, if the Lord says it, he will do it. Amen, somebody. If the Lord says that your children will be saved in your household, they will be saved. Amen, somebody. God keeps his promises. He's faithful. So what she does is as the child begins to grow, and you all know what happens in the Bible account, he dies. He ends up, uh, really some people are not sure about what exactly happened to him, but he dies. He has some sort of head pain or head injury. The mother, he's young because she puts him in her lap. And so then I have to tell you what I just absolutely, you know what? Second Kings, let's do that. I think I have it in NIV. She went and laid him upon the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. I think I'm starting in 21. Good job, Isaac. Um, She called to her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so that I can go to this man of God quickly. Don't you love this? Why today? Why today to him, he asked. It's now the new moon or the Sabbath. "That's, That's all right, she said. That's all right. Just get me the donkey. I'm going. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Don't slow down. Don't slow down for me and let, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. She, she, sorry, we, we printed this different, on a different, uh, what do you call it, sweetheart? Different printer. She set out and came upon the man of God at Mount Carmel. When she saw him at a distance, the man of God said to his servant, Gehazi, look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. It is well with my soul. Somebody say amen. Because you know what she was doing? She made up her mind when she left the house. Put it back on that opening tile. She was going to fight for her family. She made up her mind. I just love this. She was a crazy mama. She said, it is all right. Everything's all right. So then they go on to find out that the little boy's dead. And you know exactly what happens, though. Because she even goes on to say, she fully well expects him to take care of it. Does anybody know what I mean? Have you ever thought, how can I put this in the hands of God? Pastor's spoken about it. Kendon Alexander's spoken about it. Different ones. We have times where we say we put something in God's hands and we turn right around and pick it back up. Amen, somebody? Amen. We turn right around and pick it back up. But this 
crazy mama. This crazy mama got on a donkey and decided probably at that moment that her son was going to live again. Does anybody know what I mean? Her son was not going to die and be dead. He was going to live again. It is well. Everything is all right. I just absolutely love this. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took a hold of his feet. Gehazi came over and pushed her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. And you guys know that he goes back to the house and all the things that he goes through and that the the young boy raises from the dead. Isn't that a praise the Lord? But I have to tell you, she reminds me so much of a crazy mama. I think it'd be wonderful. Now listen, I'm not kidding you. I, I, Lynn Dimmel was my friend, and I went and heard her a few weeks ago at a women's conference, and she met, said the most poignant thing. And she said, all the things we see happening in the world right now, we knew were going to happen. Amen? Nothing is a surprise. Amen? But she said, but to be honest with you, I thought I'd be dead by the time it started happening. She said, but now I think that I'm not going to die. I think that we're going to see the rapture take place. Amen, somebody? She said, I did. I thought I'd be dead. I thought I'd be long gone before we seen those things start to happen. But I want to encourage the women in this church, every single woman, to be a spiritual mama. But don't be just a spiritual mama. How about if you decide that you're going to be a crazy spiritual mama? I mean, let your praise be crazy. And I will be uh, frank with you about this. You are leading your children you might not think you're doing a very good job however we decide to leave lead our children are going to follow amen whatever we're doing spiritual mamas birth mamas foster mamas adoptive mamas however we're doing this they're going to follow our lead and there's something that i learned um, from scripture i gotta tell you a little something about my dad even though this is mother's day Micah was a little over five years old, heading towards six years old when my dad passed away. Now, when Micah got a little older and could barely walk, Micah would take anything that looked something like a microphone, and he preached in it. Micah preached in hairbrushes and roll-on deodorant and egg beaters. What else, Micah? Whatever he could find to preach in. And him and my father hit it off. My father was a minister. My dad would sit and just, they had a Weebles wobble. Who knows what Weebles were? Well, you as old as I am then, I guess, you know what Weebles are. So they, he had a tree house, a Tarzan tree house, and it sort of was shaped like a pulpit if you set it up on a table. And Micah would ask to get his suit on. We'd put a suit on him, and then he would get his little Weebles treehouse out until our, my sister and her husband made Micah a little toy pulpit. So my dad and Micah were buddies. You'd take him over there and let them spend a few days, and you'd have to get Micah out of the car and say, now you're home now. <laughs> Narissa, the same way with both of you. You're home now. Let me deprogram you. Does anybody deprogram uh, their grandchildren? But there was something that happened when 
So that's how tight they were. And there's something that happened when Micah was barely toddling around. Maybe a little younger than Sida. I was trying to think about how old he might have been. My mom calls me one day, and we were planning a trip down there. And we were getting ready to go down there to mom's house. And she said, I wish you could see what I see. I said, what do you see? She said, I see a a six-and-a-half-foot man crawling all through my house. (laughs) And I said, what? And she said, well, she called my dad Lester. She said, Lester has decided that before you all get here, Micah had started walking and toddling around, that he was going to get down at his level and crawl through every room in the house and see just maybe what would hurt him that they weren't paying attention to. And he said, I found liquid fire under the bathroom sink. He said, I found poison in different places or sharp objects. But what my dad had to do, though, is humble himself some. And he got down all in the hand. My mom, you know, there wasn't any... any uh, cell phones and all that but that would have made a good one but my dad had to crawl all through the house and see what little Micah could have got killed injured or hurt by I'm gonna ask you mom and dad too. get before your knees get on your knees before the Lord and if you can symbolically do it or maybe you literally need to do it get down and find out what is hurting your children or even could potentially hurt your children. Seek and search after what is it that I'm missing? Show me, Lord. What is it? Because I'm telling you, kids, don't be mad at me. Whatever they do, they do in love. Amen? You're not your child's friend. You're their parent. You can be their friend later because it's awesome when they're grown up and you're their friend. But I tell you, search that house and decide that passwords are yours too. Is that okay? Passwords are yours too. There's no secret. They said that TikTok is one of the biggest ways that they traffic people now. I'm so stupid. I don't know what TikTok is. I mean, you know, (laughs) it's cute sometimes. But the truth is, it's a tool of the enemy. So if they want to be on TikTok or Insta or Snap or... See, I even know kind of the words. That's about all I know, okay? But the truth is, is... If these are the little things that you're missing, find it. Amen, somebody? Find it. Find it. And decide that you will take that stick and you will beat off the enemy. Take that stick and beat off the enemy. Or decide that you will indeed. (laughs) God knows my heart, Ronnie. If you will indeed decide, it is well. It is well. It is well. And Samantha, you're doing the right thing. Where you at, Samantha? She keeps posting. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a hard thing to drag kids to church. Somebody say amen. It's a hard thing to get kids up and they all got socks and underwear on. Listen, I'll tell a story my own self. My mom got me to church and I didn't. Well, I was little. <laughs> I was little. I was like two years old and she played the organ. She's like watching me on the front row, and she's like, oh, no, Leah don't have any undies on. <laughs> she's like playing the organ. God knows she didn't get up. Oh, you know. And, and then, <laughs> but I want to tell you something, folks, and I mean it from my heart.
if we can decide that we're going to fight for our family, that we can decide that we will be Christians in our home, we will be Christians to our children, we will decide that our children are going to see Pentecostal parents. Guess what? You're in a Pentecostal church. Say amen, somebody. There is sometimes not a good answer, but there's a God answer. Amen. <laughs> and I feel like I'm writing bumper stickers, but it's the truth. It is the hardest job in the world. Parenting isn't for cowards, but I promise you, Christian parents are fully armed and dangerous. Amen. Get on your knees and search that house. And also, too, you can be their friend later, I promise, and they love you now anyway. I promise they do. And they will not feel overwhelmed or they feel like you've burned them out on church. Truly, if you live a true Christian life with wonderful balance, because isn't balance so wonderful anyway? I'm telling you that they will rise up and call you blessed. And then something that Joe Goodlow, a friend of ours who's gone now, he said this and he brought it to my mind. Um, and I have it from Matthew 17, 14 through 16. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on me. My son has seizures and he suffers terribly. He often falls into fire and water. So I brought him to you and your disciples so that you could kill him. Or excuse me, <laughs> heal heal him. <laughs> well, Jesus would have rose him up. Okay? <laughs> so you could heal him. Joe Goodlow said something that just was a light bulb revelation to me. That father had a responsibility until he got that child to Jesus. That father had to work to make sure and labor and toil and every day was a mess because sometimes you don't want to have to get in that mess with a child amen somebody but it was a toil and it was a labor every single day because he knew his son could potentially drown in the water or burn in the fire he stayed at alarm he stayed at alarm he stayed totally focused on what was happening until he got him to Jesus amen somebody because I believe what we're going to have to do. I have to do it too. I'm the spiritual mama and so are you. We are not alone in this. Don't let anyone feel that they are drifting in alone. You decide that you will do everything you can for your children, the children of this church, the children of your community, that you will indeed do everything you can to keep them from harm until you get them to Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's stand up. Let's stand up together. Come on, worship team. I want to...